Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well, guys, would you turn in your Bibles to the end of 1 John chapter 3, the last two verses we're going to be studying into chapter 4 this morning. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, where we see what his commandment is. This is the commandment that John wrote that he says is God's command to us. You know, some of you, what, what does God really want me to do? You ever heard that? If there's a real God, what does he want? Well, here's his commandment. It's pretty tough. Ready? It says, his commandment is first that you believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And it's a two-part commandment, by the way. And the second part is that we love one another. Now, if we do this, these two things, believe in his son. Remember, Jesus was questioned by that attorney, what do I do to have everlasting life? He says, you just believe on him whom God has sent. This is the work you must do. Just believe on him whom God has sent. Who did God send? Jesus, his son. And if anyone ever says to you, I wish God, if he was really real, would show himself, that he would show me that he's real, that he's there. Has anyone ever thought that when you're pondering God and thinking about his existence? If you've ever thought that, that's a good question that's going through your mind. Because that's legitimate. When you're thinking that, it's because God put that in your spirit to think that. And your spirit craves an answer to that. And the answer is, well, he already did. He came in the form of a baby. It says Jesus humbled himself, laid aside his godhood, and became man to dwell amongst us. And that he would grow up on this earth before us. It's a very humbling. You might not think it's humbling, but what if you were God, the son of God, and then you traded in for wah, wah, in a little feeding trough of all places. I mean, if I was God and I'm sending my boy down to be born, I would have had him build a hospital, private wing, everything. But no, there's no room for him even in the inn. And where does he have to wind up being laid that first night? In a stable where the animals are kept. I mean, no one can even be jealous of Jesus' entry to this world. He came, it says, humbly. But he came humbly because humility is easy for us to approach. When somebody's humble, we don't feel like there's a wall between us and them. It feels like we can come to them. And that's how the Lord wanted. He wanted it so we could come to him. We could approach him. And so here's the command John says we have to do. Now this command was, well, it was attached to the verse before it where it says that we can ask anything of God and receive an answer from him. But it was a conditional asking. Did you see the condition? Look at verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from God because we keep his commandments. And we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. If you keep these commandments, you believe in Jesus and you love one another, you can have confidence to go to God and say, God, I need something from you. You can ask anything. He, he says, ask him every day. Ask this day your daily bread. He'll provide. Whatever you need, he has no trouble with being the God that answers our prayers. But he does put a condition. I don't know if you know, it says, and whatever we ask, we receive because... We keep his commandments. 
John's trying to say, you guys know that this is a foregone conclusion. You do keep his commandments, right? You do believe in his son. You do love one another. Because you do, you can ask whatever you want. And you can go to God in, in confidence. You don't have to be ashamed or afraid because he welcomes you. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we could receive grace and mercy in our time of need. Whenever we need grace and mercy, anyone, by the way, need grace and mercy for this week? Take some, yeah? Well, we can draw near to his throne of grace with confidence because he wants us to. He looks at us as his children. And when we were obedient children, I know how it is for me in an earthly perspective as earthly parents, when our children are behaving and they're, they're loving one another, you know, when, when your kids are getting along, right, and they're loving one another and they're obeying, is it trouble for us as parents when they come to us and ask us for things? to want to give to our kids. It is such a naturally inbred that we want, we want to give them those good things. How much more does our Heavenly Father want to give us good things? But how about when your kids are fighting and beating on one another, and I hate you, I want to kill you, and then, Dad, Dad, give me this, Dad, Dad, I want... And when someone comes to you and they're asking something of you that you have the ability to give them and the knowledge of how to to pass on that thing, but you see within them that they do not love. Is it good to give them the knowledge? When your kids come to you and they're like, Dad, give me a knife. And you're like, why? You want to cut an apple and have some peanut butter with it? or No, I want to kill my sister. Not that any of you ever thought that towards your sibling, right? Or your spouse. or Sometimes some of you are asking of things of God and you're wondering, why am I not getting my answer? There's a condition here. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we do these two things. First, we believe in his son. And second, we have to love one another. If we don't love one another, sorry, don't come to me and say, but I prayed and prayed God would tell me how to do this. How to hurt this person who's hurt me. How to get vengeance. How to blow them up. What's wrong with God? Why doesn't he answer my prayers? I said, because you don't have love. You're not walking in the faith that was delivered through his son. You need to come to faith in Jesus and come to love. And this love is so important. Let me show you. The next chapter of 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, is going to just, I mean, there's no way to skirt around it. It pounds home the point you have to love one another. It's not even optional. So if you don't like the idea that you have to love somebody, you ought to get up and go now. Because this message, this is literally what the scripture preaches. This is what Jesus passed on to John the Apostle and John the Apostle is passing on to us. In 1 John chapter 4, read with me here. It says, he says, listen to this. Beloved, he says, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world. And by this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, he says, is from God. Now, every spirit that does not confess Jesus 
does not confess that Jesus is from God. It says, that is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. He says, you are from God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Listen, there is a spirit of Antichrist that says, Jesus didn't come. You know, there are people who actually believe that. I'm like, wake up. It's so weird to me that my son and I just watched on the uh, TV, Man of Steel. It was um, a remake about Superman, how he came to this planet and he grew up as a little, you know, he arrived as a baby. It gave the whole backstory. He lived amongst us. Dad said, don't show yourself to the people that you'll be afraid of you. You'll be like a God to them. And his dad was El, which in Hebrew, El stands for God, Elohim, the name of God. And he comes and he lives amongst us. I'm watching this with Daniel. I'm like, Daniel, do you see any parallels to this in the Bible? And at age 33, he reveals himself to the world because Zod has come and he's going to destroy the world if Superman doesn't deliver himself over to Zod. And so he surrenders himself as an offering, basically, to the bad guy, right? Now, does that have any parallels to what Christ did? You know, more people will believe the story of Superman than will believe the gospel sometimes, though. It makes me sad that, that there are such comic book groupies. They know the, the details, but they don't know that we're talking about a real story where God really did send his son, and his son did grow up amongst us, and he revealed himself at age 30 publicly and walked amongst us teaching for three years to when then he surrenders himself as an offering. He said, no man takes my life, I give it. And he gave his life for us. And by the way, do any of you know people that say, oh, Jesus didn't really come. It's a, like a fable or a fairy tale. It's like comic book. There's actually people who believe that, that he did not actually physically come to this earth. John's writing this. And this is only, you know, the early church has only been going, by the time he writes First John, this is around what uh, some scholars say around the 60s. So about 30 years later, only three decades later, and there were already people saying, after three decades, 30 years, 30 years go by, and they're like, he didn't really come. Right now, it's been 70 years since the Holocaust happened. Do you know that there's people saying the Holocaust never happened? They're actually teaching this in some of the schools now. It didn't really happen. We have people who are still alive that survived the internment camps, and they still have the tattoos on their arms that were given to them by the Nazis, and they're saying it didn't really happen. It's that old saying, you know, those that don't want to study history and learn the mistakes of the history are doomed to repeat them. Satan loves us to be short-minded in remembering things what have happened before, because it's such an easy way for him to lull us into disbelief. If he can get you to believe it never happened, and John's saying, can you imagine, 30 years have passed since Jesus had died and rose from the dead, and already he said there was people saying he never really physically came. John's going, I was there. I touched him. Remember what the book started off with, this first John? He said, what, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have beheld, what our hands have handled, we proclaim to you. We were with him. We were there. Eyewitness of Christ's coming in the flesh. By the way, when you say, why are you so big on this book? These guys were there. This would be like saying, 
to someone you you want to find out if the Holocaust happened and stuff, and and you had a real person who was alive, one of your relatives who was there. Is anyone else like me, like where you prefer to have someone who is actually there tell you the the details rather than some guy who was never there, who just makes up a story? Not me, man. I want the guy who was there. John was there. He says, I was there. I touched him. I leaned on his breast at the Last Supper. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved, by the way. He knew that he was love of the Lord. Now he's going to go on and tell us about that love and how do we have to operate in that love? Because he's telling us, guys, listen, that spirit is out there that denies Christ's coming that spirit of the Antichrist, but God's spirit in you is greater than that spirit. Remember this. And he said, and they are from the world, verse 5 says, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. But we are from God. And he who knows God, it says, listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, when someone is from God, and you speak about the things of God, there's just a a connection that happens. You understand? There's like a deep understanding. You can meet Christians from anywhere else in the world, and all of a sudden there's this instant connection. You, You get it. You get each other. You're like speaking the same language. I can tell you from someone who's experienced with speaking another language, when I speak Italian to people who speak Italian, it's no trouble. We just connect right away. But if I speak Italian to people that don't speak Italian, they... They look at me like a deer in headlights. And they they just, huh? There's no connection going on. It's like when you're talking about God to someone who's not walking with God, and they're looking at you like you're from another planet. Anyone know what I'm expressing here? You ever had this feeling? You're talking about God with somebody, and they don't believe, and they're just looking at you like you're from Mars, man. What is your problem? John says, listen, We are from God, and he who knows God listens to us. He who does not know God, he does not listen. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There is a spirit of error out there where people are erring in their ways. They're not following the faith what God has given to them. They're not loving their brethren. Now, verse 7, we sing this as a song. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And the one who does not love, he says, does not know God, for God is love. This is so important, guys. God is love. If someone says, I know God, but I hate that guy over there. Let me read to you what John has to say about this. Verse 9 says, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only Son, his only begotten Son, into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his Son to be a propitiation, a payment for our sins. Beloved, he says, If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected. So it says, well, have you seen God? No. Have you tasted of his love? Yes. 
don't ever get fooled into thinking the proof of God's existence is if you've seen him. By the way, if you had seen him, the Bible tells us very clearly, no man has seen God and lived. There's a little catch there. The and lived part, right? But why can't man just go before God the way we are? Why can't we stand before a holy, pure God in our unholy, sinful state? What would happen to us? We'd be goners. A corruptible being before an incorruptible, holy God. We'd be consumed. So the proof that God's existence is not, have I seen him? In fact, that's a danger to have some guy, and by the way, the devil, he's a twister of the scriptures, and he knows how to get some people sidetracked and say, well, have you seen God? I always tell him, look, have you seen gravity? But even though it's an example of something, what we consider invisible, is it still powerful? Do we still need it to function? And people who say, the proof of seeing is believing is the wrong proof. I submit to you, God did not want you to go with such a superficial thing to prove an eternal, holy being is there. Instead, he says, you want proof that I'm there? Love one another. As I have loved you, love is a greater proof that God is there. When people say, prove to me that God is there, that God would take my heart that was filled with hatred and rage and replace that with his love shows me that there is a greater being than any man. Because man can't do that to other men. So I go, let's go with something of substance. You can't see love. If I was like one of those rational people, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. So okay, love doesn't exist. Air doesn't exist. Gravity doesn't exist. Does that make me float up? And hover, no gravity. I don't believe in it. Just because you don't believe in something doesn't mean it doesn't have power over you. Doesn't mean you don't have dependence on it every day. You still need that air. Your little lungs have to suck that air in every day. And you don't even see it. And yet we have a loving God who put things that you do not see in your life to look after you. And he was so smart, he made sure he put the things that are like pertinent to life, like your heart ticking, your lungs continually expanding and contracting, sucking in that air and blowing it out and doing it constantly. Those things are on what we call the subconscious level. Hmm, wonder why he did that. Can you imagine if we had to consciously think of breathing all the time? Some of you would forget. Or you'd get busy. It'd be like texting and forget to breathe. We'd watch people pass out with their phones. What happened to him? Oh, he forgot to breathe. God was smart. He put all the things that you need done in your body on his control. I submit that to you that he wired you, hardwired to do certain things. And you go, well, who did that? Hmm. Well, no one has seen God at any time. And if we love one another, God abides in us. And in his love, in his love, this is the completeness, the perfection for us. This is what it is. When we abide in his love, we love one another. God will abide in us. His love will be perfected in us. And by this, we know that we abide in him and that he abides in us because he has given his spirit. 
Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. We need his spirit. Well, it says, We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. John is saying, we have seen him. We got a firsthand witness that Christ did come to this earth. And yet, we live in an era where guys are saying, oh, that's just a fable. That ha- that, that's like thousands of years ago, millennial. Probably not, not even happened. Because we wouldn't want the world to know that the Messiah actually came. But I'm here to tell you, he did come. And he came and he gave us his command. God gave us a command. Believe in his son and love one another. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Yeah, yeah, yeah.